Leonidas gives to Amici. The 10th of the world champion, Amici scores! Amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the big game. This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is West Durham. This is Mike Ashley. Hi, this is Chuck Foreman, number 44 of the Minnesota Vikings. Woo, mercy, this is handsome Jimmy Vance, the boogie woogie man. This is Coach Fry with Virginia Tech Football, and you are listening to Big Dog Sports Talk. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to roll? Okay, let's do it. You're in the doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network. 101.7, 103.5, and AM 1460. Streaming worldwide at WRADradio.com and the TuneIn app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900, or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the big dog, Rick Watson. a little stone cold crazy 639-4900 that's the Baker team hotline 744-2990 is the text line Rick at New River Radio is how you can send me an email you can message me on messenger Andy Bitter at 735 Dwight Vic 835 It is a travel day for yours truly. I'll be heading down to a... Sounds like we're going to visit uh, a town in the movie Cars. Do you remember the animated feature? Back when Pixar was worth a damn before Disney ruined it. Boiling Springs, North Carolina for a nationally televised game tonight. Radford and Gardner-Webb as the Highlanders try to end a five-game losing streak. We'll be on the air, 6.30, 7 o'clock will be the tip-off tonight from Boiling Springs, North Carolina. <clears throat> so be sure to tune us in. 
So Adam immediately writes in, so Rick, uh, what was the <laughs> what's the drug volume update this morning? I didn't stop anywhere, Adam, so I don't know. I I didn't I didn't go into any uh, convenience store. I didn't have to obviously get gas again today, but I'm assuming that there was probably some activity. Did see a uh, a dude on a on a bicycle down at Radford University coming through there. He had his little reflector suit on and even on his book bag, his backpack where all the drugs undoubtedly are, he had a little uh, reflector strip there too. But no, I didn't I didn't see anything today other than well, I guess he was on his way either to or back from a deal. But I appreciate the inquiry. <laughs> I really do. All right, so yesterday, you know, Bill was talking about the college football playoff people are together and meeting. and I know I should care, but I really don't. I'm just so jaded toward the whole thing right now. I think I'm getting more and more jaded toward the whole college, current college athletics model, which, you know, sucks because I work in college athletics. But now they're throwing around the idea of a 14-team playoff starting in 2026. I don't know why they don't just go to 16. Again, you have just a bunch of complete and utter morons and self-absorbed interests involved in this. I mean, the college football playoff people are still trying to get a deal done to get a television contract for the next eight years. The access part of it's unresolved. The distribution of money, the governance, all this stuff, completely unresolved. Things that are, you know, fairly important, I would think. But what this is, is going to make sure that whatever they come up with, and I put a story up, by the way, and check it out, Yahoo Sports. I think it was Ross Dellinger on the BDST Facebook page. Facebook, the electric friendship generator. This is all to try to create more opportunities for those teams in those leagues to have a better chance to qualify for the playoff, which means more of a payoff. Something we've been discussing here last several weeks here on the program. So, obviously, they're going to try to get more teams involved in all this. Of course, the dreaded CFP Management Committee is made up of commissioners and incoming uh, Notre Dame Athletic Director, Pete Bavacqua, by the way. That's right. Notre Dame invited to this table. Big Al writes in, of course they stay independent. Of course they are. What they have done finally, remember how silly now you look back and how much time was wasted on, oh, watch out, what league's Notre Dame going to join? <laughs> remember how stupid all that was? We kept telling you it was stupid, that there was no chance in the fiery place below us that they were ever going to join a league. Well, now what they have done is finally admit what we've been telling you all along, that the college football playoff needs Notre Dame. To maximize dollar-gaining, dollar-value appeal that they can from advertisers and from the network deals. Notre Dame is, let's just say it the way it is, they are the biggest brand in the sport. And I know they haven't won a national title in, what, 
Since eight, is it 88? Has it been that long? Somebody check my math. But it's still Notre Dame. And they've known this for all the years, all the debates, all the back and forth. As soon as the ACC decided to house all the rest of their sports and give them schedules, let them play for league titles, they were set. There was never any thought process. I mean, I told you guys and gals when we were up there playing Notre Dame last year, Radford University, there was never been one discussion about them joining any league. Ever. People have debated it, and sure, they've speculated, but nobody in South Bend, on the football side, has even considered the possibility they would lose their independence. We kept telling you that. And now, here they are, invited to the big boy table, officially being told, you'll never have to join a league in football because we need you if we're going to pull this thing off. And yes, they do. Yes, they do. So now, instead of implementing... (laughs) This is how stupid the people that are... I guess we can now officially say not running college sports, but ruining college sports are. You haven't even started the 12-team playoff, right? They just had, they made the announcement that the big 5-7 model was approved, which, ooh, earth-shattering. And here they are in day two of their meetings, already talking about expanding it in two years. Why didn't you just make the first one 14 or 16 teams? I mean, it's just, it's, it's Keystone Cops type of things. And, of course, ESPN is reporting on this almost hourly because they are right in the middle of it. They are right in the middle of it. Especially now that they have got this $8 billion deal. I mean, I just, I got to be honest. And, look, Tech fan, I know you're excited. Great. I love it. Love you're excited. I think they're going to have a big year. But I just find myself... Really, really caring less and less. <laughs> I really do. And I hate to feel that way. But I just do. I just don't. <sighs> okay. Nick Saban, who's retired from coaching, came forward yesterday saying, quote, I want to do my part to bring some reform And common sense to college football and the lingering chaos surrounding the sport. He says, if my voice can bring about some meaningful change, I want to help any way I can because I love the players and I love college football. What we have now is not college football. Well, no blank, Sherlock. Not college football as we have known it. You hear somebody use the word student athlete. That doesn't exist anymore. Gee, thanks, coach. At least somebody is acknowledging it. Of course, he's going to join the dreaded college game day Saturday crew, so. Saban, of course, retired in January. And uh, I think what he's doing now is saying, look, if they want me to run this thing, I will run this thing. Right? Saban said uh, he understood any critique that he made of the current NIL climate combined with the transfer portal. This is when he was with Alabama as the head coach. 
In particular, the lack of rules on agents shopping around players in the portal and schools bidding on high school players through donor-based collectives could come across as self-serving, but now that he's no longer coaching, he's just letting it all fire away. Many coaches are saying Saban would be a perfect choice as the college football commissioner of the new big league, by the way, that's coming, which is why all this playoff advancement conversation is happening. He says, I'm not really looking for a job. Yeah, but you just signed on at ESPN. I'm sorry, Nick. You don't understand how badly that's going to hurt your credibility. But I do know I'd like to impact college football the best way I can, whether it's being a spokesperson or anything else. He says, listen, I'm for the players. It's not that I'm not for the players. I want to see the players have a great quality of life and be able to create value for themselves. But we've gone to nobody talking about education, nobody talking about creating value for their future, Talking about only how much money can I make while I'm in college. Yeah. Exactly. I think the consequence of this could come down the road when some of these guys get 28, 29 years old and they didn't prepare themselves for when they can't play football anymore, which is what you should do when you go to college. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for reminding us what college is for, Coach. Saban says that he wants to see sensible dialogue for a change about how to help college football start moving in the direction of solutions before the current model completely implodes. Well, it's going to implode. And he doesn't want the situation to get to a point where schools have to start cutting other sports. They won't. They'll just simply not pay the NIL. I mean, they're just going to wait on regulation. I mean, everybody acts like all these schools have to pay these millions of dollars that are being dished out. No, all you have to do is just say, look, I'd love to have you here. I know we're going to probably have to accept the less talented player, but we're not paying that. <laughs> I mean, they are the buyer. The schools control the market. They can go ask. Just ask Mike Loxley in Maryland. Yeah, I can ask for 100000 bucks as a third-string tailback. I'm looking for a new school the next day. You don't have to say yes, Nick. And the legalities of cutting other sports, which would probably mean women's sports, that's just not going to happen. You're not going to be able to do that. If anything, these schools that have a lot of sports, it'll be men's sports that'll get cut, and of course that'll be okay politically. Hey, it's all right. Men's sports? It's okay. So, you have all this stuff going on, and now they're talking about a 14-team playoff because, you know, why not? I just don't give a damn. I really don't. The whole thing is, to me, for me, the whole thing is ruined. I just, first run of the show, from 2001 to 2010, I would come on the program and I would have people on from all over the country. Then you had more access to coaches and we'd have great conversations, whether it was Bobby Bowden or Larry Coker or um, you name it at the time. Frank Beamer, Al Grow, all those guys. And we'd have all these great conversations and nobody understood why there wasn't a viable playoff in college football. By then, we were in the BCS model. They kept pushing back, pushing back, way back. 
no, no, I'm not going to have a playoff of college football. What sense would that make? Well, all the sense in the world. Do you understand the money? You're talking about expand. This is when conference expansion was first being bantered about. Why are you doing that? Uh, we want more money. Uh, you realize how much more money a college football playoff would bring everyone? Hey, no, 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 can't do that. But what about the FCS? Hey, what about the FCS? Well, you know, they have a 16-team playoff. Yeah, yeah, well, we want to make sure our student-athletes have a chance to be student-athletes at this higher level. Oh, so it doesn't matter about the FCS student-athletes who have no problem navigating through a postseason schedule and keeping their classwork on time? What? Are you bringing logic into this? Stop! It was self-serving then because you had the NCAA and the people who belonged there at the time making all the money off of this. So they didn't want to share it with anybody. They didn't want to distribute it, even though they were leaving all these millions and millions of dollars on the table. Never made any sense, right? Never made any sense. It was stupid. It's still stupid. The fact that we're just coming out of a four-team playoff is stupid. We're in 2023-24. Every other professional sport has expanded its playoffs. Go through them all. The NFL, the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball. They've added wild card teams. They've added rounds. You know why? Because it creates millions and millions of dollars of extra revenue. It's not about competitive balance. It's about, ooh, more games, more opportunities, more fan bases are still involved because their teams have a shot at the playoffs. Heck yeah, let's add more teams. Baseball yesterday announced that they've narrowed down uh, the cities. They're going to expand to 32, right? And they come right out and say that we're going to expand in cities where we can, that's right, make more money. It's likely going to be somewhere like Nashville or Salt Lake City. Adding, adding, adding. But for years, the NCAA prevented college football, major college football, from adding. It just kept on keeping it as condensed as possible. And now here we are in 2024 with NIL money ridiculously out of control, the portal ridiculously out of control, veteran coaches who are walking away, young promising coaches like Jeff Halfley who are walking away. And as soon as we segue into the 12-team playoff, all these new bozos that are in charge are now talking about expanding it before we even go through the first year of the 12-team playoff. Keystone Cops. Why would anybody have any confidence in anything these people come out of there with? Look, whatever they come out of there with, it's going to be something that's going to serve the SEC and the Big Ten more and better than anybody else. That's all this is about. And ESPN is just sitting there saying, yeah, bring it on, baby. Bring it on. But hey, we don't have any influence on this. Text messages, 744 Love to hear from you. 
One came in, um, a lot of people got tired after the COVID experience. Now we just want to watch and keep up with tech. Sure, I'm sure that's what it's probably boiled down to, right? I get it. I mean, in a lot of ways, this is, this is much worse than the professional model has ever been with what's going on now. All the hypocrisy that built up over the years have been speculated. We've called them out for it. It's all coming to a head now. But you know what? Here's the bottom line. And we've said this all go. They're going to keep on doing what they're doing because the consumer's never going to say no to college football. The ratings will always reflect that they've got everybody right in the palm of their hand. So they're going to do whatever the hell they want. And that's the way it works. We'll be back. Curtis Keaton of the Cincinnati Bengals, and I am a proud listener of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Five minutes for the top of the hour. Hope you're well wherever you might be. David writes in. Text lines open 744-2990. Heard you talking yesterday. It made a lot of sense. He said, why not just structure some contracts as this thing goes forward? I think that's what we're going to get to, David. Right? I mean, the schools, major college football schools, clearly have, they have everything in their favor. The deck is in their favor. Here's why. And they can call it collusion all they want. But if anybody ever does come in and try to clean up this mess, everybody just running around doing whatever they want. Right now it's just a rogue situation. The NFL, which has recognized for many decades now that college football is its true minor league system, right? There's no professional minor league system. The closest one that's ever been is when you had the NFL Europe back in the day. The Frankfurt Galaxy and all those teams, right? And you had the players come in from the USFL, many of them Hall of Famers, Reggie White, Steve Young, remember Herschel Walker, not a Hall of Famer, but he was with the New Jersey Generals. You get my point. Sam Mills, Gary Clark. So college football has been the NFL's minor league. There's a three-year rule for college football players. Or for high school players, I should say. That you have to be out of high school three years. You can't just jump into the league. Because let's just be honest, and common sense does prevail in this sense that no 18 or 19-year-old kid can jump straight into the National Football League because their bodies are not mature enough. They're not ready. Well, they're not ready mentally, clearly, but they're, bo- they're not ready physically. Oh, sure, there may be an outlier here and there over the years, but for the most part, the three-year rule is there for the protection of the young people. So that means that anybody who's looking for a big payout when they come to a college 
knows that they have to be in college football for three years. So at some point, they're going to have to sign a deal. If you could get everybody together and just say, well, this is the way it's going to be. Here's an incentive-based contract. And by the way, if you're going to get this money, you have to sign a contract to stay at this school, barring an injury or a coaching change. In other words, we're going to sign you for this. We don't want you jumping in the portal the next year. I mean, why not? Isn't that? It's already professional sports. Why not do what? The, you know it's bad when the NFL and professional football and professional sports have a better, better model than college football. Because <laughs> NFL, you have incentive-based contracts. You have injury clause protections for clubs and so forth. This is why the unionization is going to happen sooner than later with players, too, right? Whomever represents them in these negotiations. But if you had a uniform contractual system from these Power Fives going forward, you might bring a little bit of sanity to all of this. No, you're not going to collect a million dollars and then decide to leave here and show up and not give effort and not reach certain incentives. You threw more interceptions or as many interceptions as touchdowns. You're not going to get that money. Make them commit more to you by putting the money that they want to make in conditional terms. And what's wrong with that? Because isn't college supposed to prepare you for real life? Isn't that what college is all about? Or it used to be? What prepares these budding NFL players more for their real-life professional experience than straight out of high school jumping into the workforce? Like, by the way, most of us have done, and most do now. Most kids now, I won't say most, a lot of kids now are jumping in the workforce before they're out of high school. Part-time job here and there. So why not get them prepared immediately out of high school? All right? Ohio State? This is what I want. Okay, here it is. Here's our deal. And if you can get everybody on board to have a similar deal, the problem is you're going to have certain collectives that are built up more And the problem is that the greater good would be the ultimate TV contract and all the money that's going to be made from the institution and the conferences. Could you get schools who have a bigger advantage in the NIL on board to fall in line with some new system? They may not have any choice if it's actually ruled that way. But David, I'm with you 100%. Right? Why not make it contractual? Why not? I would. I wouldn't bring any any kid in on an NIL going forward unless there were incentive clauses. And if that cost me that kid, so be it. Whatever. I'm not paying any quarterback who's transferring in a million and a half, two million dollars, whatever it might be. 
unless you meet this criteria to earn all that money. Work with the collective people. Why is that such an outrageous idea? It's just like professional football. Every contract has incentive clauses. Every rookie has a rookie deal. And then it expires. Right? So I don't know. To me, it just sounds like it's simple, David. And wouldn't you as a fan, wouldn't you rather have that, by the way? Wouldn't you rather know? Because right now, you're just walking around. None of us know. None of us know what even the tech, the Triumph Collective, we don't know anything about the collective at Tech, do we? We get some idea. They've been on the show, but we don't know what goes out. We don't know the numbers. Nobody knows. And shouldn't the fans as investors, because that's what you are, shouldn't you have some kind of, shouldn't there be some autonomy there? Right? Shouldn't there be? Shouldn't you know what's going out to players? Shouldn't you know exactly The amount of money that Elizabeth Kitley got for coming back one more year? Shouldn't you know that instead of it just being speculated? Shouldn't that be public knowledge? Shouldn't you know where all the money you're contributing to the IAL is going? If you're a donor and you give a a large portion to a facility build, you know exactly where it's going. If you're helping out with a new weight room or... Practice facility, right? So why shouldn't you have some kind of knowledge? And let's just, and by the way, I just had a text message about the educational part. That's, let, look, I get what you're saying. But that's, that's, that's just don't talk about something that doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that it doesn't matter to me. None of the things that are going on in major college football has anything to do with any academic anything. Just stop. It doesn't. Nobody is considering it at all. Nick Saban just said it. You don't believe me, Nick, listen to Nick Saban. But that texture is exactly right. That's what I'm saying. If you're going to say, okay, you want to get a million dollars to come here per year, well, then I need you to sign on for two to three years. We're not doing this again next year. Commit to us, we'll commit to you. And then you can have a clause in there one way or the other. At some point, the schools and the collectives have to protect themselves. Right? At some point. And make it a year-by-year thing. The scholarships are year-by-year. Why not make it a year-by-year thing? That way, if you bring in a kid and he's having a good enough year, he's meeting all the criteria, but he gets hurt. Ooh, torn ACL. We're not going to pay you for that off year. 
right? I mean, at some point, there's got to be some common sense in all this because everything I'm talking about is how business does things every day. The corporate world does things every day. And this is the corporate world we're talking about with current college football. And I'm keeping it at college football because there's a lot of options for high school basketball stars. You can go directly in the NBA. You can go to the G League. You can go play in Europe. You don't have to listen to a bunch of NIL conversation unless you really just want to play one-year college basketball. You can walk away. There's lots of options. Same thing with baseball players. You can sign that deal with whatever team drafts you. You can go play in developmental league, whatever. But in football, it's not that way. Wayne from Ohio asks, I've always wondered what happens to the NIL money kids got when they sit out bowl games. Right. Do they still get all that money? No, they shouldn't. You're not playing in the bowl game? Well, we're taking this back. And I would think that you, and I say you because I'm just using tech as an example, you want to help the collective, you want to help the NIL, because you want Virginia Tech to be able to go out and obtain the best players they can. You should have a little bit, not necessarily say, but you should have a little bit of internal knowledge about how your dollars are being spent into what program? Did my money go to help out Kyron Drone staying here and Ollie Jennings, or did my money go to pay Georgia Amore and Liz Kitley the six figures they're getting? Shouldn't there be some kind of report? I mean, like I said, when you're donating money for a facility – or into the budget of a particular program, you know exactly where it's going. That's the way ours is set up at RU. Somebody wants to donate to the baseball program, here you go. And baseball, look, you need help with netting or padding or whatever. I know that you're going to use this to help your program. Are you just going to continue to agree to throw money in the NIL? And who knows what happens to it? Mike asked the question, and what do we know about the NIL people? Not a lot, right? He goes, what happens if that money's just kind of building up and they're deciding to take some for themselves? <laughs> well, I didn't think about that, Mike. I don't know what checks and balances they have, the people who put themselves in charge of this, that work with the schools. How much money is reported? How much do they have to account for? Does money come in and all of a sudden it disappear? Wouldn't be the first time. It happens in business all the time. That's a great point, Mike. Wow, you've added another layer to this. Smartest listening audience in radio. That's true. What if you give a million dollars to the NIL and they're like, wow, look at this. We've, <laughs> we've got all this excess money. Remember in the episode of The Office when uh, Michael Scott realized that they had money that was left over and he could just take it himself as the 
manager of the office. They had a surplus. You remember that? And they either wanted new chairs or a copier. And then Michael figured out that from his boss that, you know what, you can, you can just keep that money. You're the manager. Well, what prevents some of these <laughs> NIL people from going, I'm the one who's in charge of this. I'm just going to tell you, ooh, look at that. There's half a million dollars. We already have $25 million. Who's going to miss it? And I'm not accusing people, but Mike brings up a good point. Because as far as we know, there's no reports that come out about any of the NILs across the country. Right? You're just kind of throwing money in there saying, yeah, I'd like to contribute. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. 744-2990. Here on a Thursday, Andy Bitter, Dwight Vick, a little bit later on. They're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet. The Dave Matthews Band is now a finalist for the Hall of Fame. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, I'm going to need you to fill out those TPS reports. Uh, Yeah. Anyway. Let's just say it this way. If the Dave Matthews Band is inducted into the Hall of Fame, there won't be a bigger disgrace to any Hall of Fame since Jimmy Johnson was put into the National Football League. I'm sorry, the Professional Football Hall of Fame. That's what that would equate to. It's the same thing. Ah, but in any event. All right, coming up at the bottom of hour two, we'll talk a little bit about this and see if uh, Andy Bitter, who's always got a little quirky opinion about things, we'll see if he has got a different thought process. Does he have any optimism about the future of all this and where it's headed? Good question, Wayne. I don't know. Do they get paid in installments or one lump sum? I don't know because we don't know because we don't have to know because there are no rules in the NIL. Hey, there are no rules in Fight Club. What's the only rule of Fight Club? You don't talk about Fight Club? <laughs> only rule in NIL is you don't talk about NIL. <laughs> right? Uh... By the way, I have uh, I have tickets for the Monster Truck Show. The Monster Truck Naito Tour. You've heard it here on the show. March the 2nd. Going to be a couple of shows. 
there you go. We'll give those away next hour.